Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Jacob Albrock. Tommy Kester, this is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. He's got all the insight of what you want to know and maybe some of what you don't want to know. Here's K-State insider Tim Fitzgerald. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Hour number two of Sports Daily. We are joined on the program right now by our K-State insider, Tim Fitzgerald. Glad to be here with you, Fitz. Welcome in. Welcome back in. What's going on, man? Happy New Year. Same to you. Same to you. Looking forward to another year of covering K-State sports and doing talk shows with you, my friend. That's right. Uh, And it is an interesting time at K-State because we're about to start a conference season that is very uh, unknown and unpredictable. We'll get into basketball in just a little bit, but there's a couple football storylines, I think, uh, that are very intriguing. Let's start with Will Howard. So USC was the rumor, and then their backup quarterback comes in, lights it up in the bowl game. Lincoln Riley talks about... You know, players maybe not wanting to come here now, which I think was a pretty direct assessment of the situation. So now Will Howard's back on the market. We know he's visiting Ohio State and ESPN reports Miami. What are you hearing? Have you talked to Will Howard? Uh, What's your crew hearing on his potential spot to play college football next year? Yeah, I I haven't talked to Will, um, but, you know, I'm tracking it pretty close from people that have. And uh, he's still wrestling with the NFL. And I, I think if Ohio State really does come through an offer, that might be, you know, too much to turn down. But uh, he's he's been considering still going to the draft. He's been hoping to get a senior bowl bid. He, he really wants to play in that game. Um, and I think he's probably considered, a, you know, an alternate of sorts to that. Uh, but I think if Ohio State uh, comes through with an offer, and you know, with his official visit, I think he'll go ahead and do it. I. I can't imagine you turn down Ohio State. Well, no, I don't think you do either. And the NFL part is curious. I, I I was having this conversation with somebody. So I went to a Division II school that was a powerhouse football program at the time I was there, and it was a powerhouse offense. And there was a stretch where I think at least three, if not five, I think it was four straight quarterbacks from the school got 
NFL experience, time, whatever. But I know what that life was like, whether it was, you know, undrafted free agent to practice squad. Some of them even played games in the NFL uh, in the preseason and the regular season. It's not a luxurious life. And it's not like this glamorous, massive amount of money. It Famously, people bring up all the time that Arch Manning is making more money than Brock Purdy. I don't know. Like, when I think of the NFL with Will Howard, I, I think of, like, mid to late round pick potentially and that sort of – I think the financial play is college football for him to get the payday. Don't you? I agree. I agree. Um, you know, but then again, you, you're talking about a kid who probably – framed his dreams pre-NIL and, you know, getting to the NFL might mean more than just money to him. But I think, I personally think he needs another year. Uh, and I think it's a good move to have another year in a different system. Um, I, I don't think that hurts him at all, particularly if, you know, any of the numbers of the NIL are anywhere close to being accurate. But um, I, I just, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm having problems framing myself thinking that Will Howard's NFL ready. I mean, I, I think he's he's clearly got some more seasoning to do. And on top of that, it's a really uh, deep quarterback group. I don't know how many superstars are in it, but there's a lot of guys that will probably be picked up along the way, um, you know, during the draft. And it's considered not a great year to come out as a quarterback because the, the, there's so much traffic in front of you. So I, I'm a little baffled what has taken this long on this process, but – I think he's a little hung up on what exactly he wants to do. And again, I think we're going to see the the portal really pick up once it closes again. Uh, and teams can't, you know, players can't bail out because their team just signed someone else out of the portal. If he ends up going to Ohio State or another college program, in your mind, after watching him in his career at K-State, what does he need to work on? You mentioned that he's got, you know, maybe another year of college to get more seasoned but he's got the frame, he's got the build for the NFL. Is it decision-making? Is it, you know, working with wide receivers? What do you think that it is that he needs to work on and improve on with whatever program he ends up with next season to be more NFL-ready? Yeah, I think just the consistency. And we actually saw better consistency from him in 22 than 23. Um, You know, kind of putting the ball where it needs to go on a regular basis. Uh, but he, he's very close, and, and I, I just think he needs to, to prove it again somewhere else and, you know, show that uh, it, it's something he can replicate. Uh, but also, you know, I just think having, I'll be blunt here, having better receivers than, than Kansas State did might really boost his stock. Um, I think that's been an ongoing issue for K-State with um, having receivers that, are reliable down, you know, down after down and get themselves open, make themselves available, not just run good routes, but make themselves available when the quarterback's in trouble and come back to him. I just think it's been an ongoing issue for K-State. And, you know, getting someplace with the quality of receivers uh, that Ohio State would have would really do wonders for him. All right, uh, Fitz, let's go to the other K-State football storyline right now. You guys reported um, that it's Matt Wells' season at K-State. Is that still the case? We've had nothing official yet. Is that still the case? Do we still expect that hire to be made? Well, I I do, but, you know, as we reported it, it isn't a done deal. There was, you know, some more stuff to be worked on, and, um, you know, I'm not sure if that's 
official titles, responsibilities, balance between him and Connor Riley with the offense. I'm not sure what all the, the things that Chris Kleiman is trying to work out, but um, it, it seems like the higher he would make on top of you know everything else you've learned. And it's a good friend that is a proven coach and a proven recruiter and has a history with, you know, really good quarterbacks when he coached Jordan Love out at Utah State. So there's, there's a lot of things here that make sense about this hire, but um, we had, don't have a timetable on it. And as I said, as of our reporting, it wasn't quite done yet, but it's, it's pretty far along. It seems like this uh, makes a lot of sense on a lot of different levels. I know that Coach Kleiman has been uh, complimentary of Matt Wells during his time at Texas Tech. And then, you know, of course, Wells has been a head coach and probably needs to have success in a role like this to maybe get back to the head coaching ranks. So I think in a lot of different ways, this hire does make sense. But from a offensive play calling point of view, his philosophies, the things that he likes to do with his offenses, how does that fit in with the personnel that Kansas State has? Well, you know, he comes from kind of a spread background, so um, there will be some adjustments. But he's run a little bit of everything along the way. He's a pretty flexible play caller. Um, again, I come back to this. I don't care what offense you're running. Uh, K-State, and they're trying to work in the portal, but K-State's got to upgrade, um, you know, its receiving core. They've, they've got some good young players, but um, they need some dynamic you know, they really could use the six four go to guy that can get open and, and you know, has a big catch radius. So um anything they can do out of the portal, uh, but this is the kind of spiral they're in. They they need the new coordinator so that the players in the portal know who they're gonna be playing for. Um so they need to get that cleaned up before they can really close the deal on any receivers. Uh so it's uh, I, I would imagine if he comes in, he's going to essentially run the offense that they've been running, that they don't want to start over. Um, you know, they might want to build around Avery Johnson's skill set a little bit more, but uh, I can't imagine Chris Kleiman wants to start over for his whole offense. Well, I mean, is it that? I mean, I think with Avery Johnson, you look at Jordan Love and the time at Utah State and the difference that. Jordan Love had with Matt Wells as his coach and without Matt Wells as his coach to me when I see Wells obviously he and Kleiman have the relationship that Kleiman's talked about for so long but it kind of feels like an Avery Johnson move to me oh it does it really does it, you know and if you're Avery you got to be excited about working with a guy who has you know done something with an elite quarterback like that but um, yeah, you know, and maybe that's some of the moving pieces that still need to be put together or, you know, what exactly he wants to do offensively. Maybe Chris Kleiman doesn't want him to change a bunch of stuff. And he says, I want to come in and run my stuff. Well, you got to sort that out. What does this do uh, to Connor Riley? I, I know that, you know, he's served in, in other roles, um, specifically offensive line with the Wildcats. And, you know, everybody talked about the, the great job that he did in the bowl game for Kansas State. So is this something where he goes back to the role that he had before? Will he have, uh, do you think, more of an increased uh, presence with the total offense? Yeah. Or what does that look like? Yeah, I'm sure, you know, A&M just did it. I mean, they hired Colin Klein to be offense coordinator, and then they stole the receivers coach away from Alabama and named him co-offensive coordinator, which, you know, in, in the real world means, you're 50-50. And the coaching world means 
uh, Co, you're the assistant. See, it's it's weird how coaches just kind of make up these titles uh, to make themselves feel better and sound more important than they are. Uh, but uh, I I think Connor Riley will be the co-coordinator. Uh, you know, we'll have a great deal of input on on the game plan, probably even some play calling input on game day. But uh, this offensive line is going to be rebuilt next year. And you need your offensive line coach on the field coaching with those guys, not on, in the box calling plays. And I think Connor Riley knows that, and that's where he wants to be. He wants to be on the field with this guy. That's just my gut. Um, and he, I imagine he's really torn wanting to take the next step in his career to become a full-time coordinator, but also knowing that uh, he's an offensive line coach, and he wants to be in, down there with his, with his guys. Uh, so I think that's why we'll see someone come in to be the actual in-the-box play caller on game day. Uh, all right, Fitz. Let, let's go to basketball here now. I, I don't know if you – I don't. I still don't have a take on K-State. If we look at the metrics for the K-State men's basketball team, they're near the bottom of the Big 12 right now. Are they better than that, or is that really where they probably end up here? I I don't know that we know a whole lot yet. No, because we've seen them play awful and pretty damn good. You know, and someone asked us on our own podcast, are they playing to the level of their competition? I'm like, you know what, they kind of are. Um, you know, they they beat a really good Villanova team. Um, you know, they knock off a Providence team, and then they lose to Nebraska and, and you know, play just a really close game uh, with Chicago State, uh, an independent team that was playing their 20th game of the season already. Um, you know, it's just I can't quite figure them out, but uh, I don't think the coaches can either because this wasn't the team they expected to be coaching. But, you know, first they went through the Naquan Tomlin will be back, and then he wasn't back. Uh, and then they've, you know, been to the Quez Glover is coming back, and he was supposed to be back for that Chicago State game, but re-injured the knee. He just finished rehabbing. Uh, so he's shut down for the season. So now you've lost two of your main parts from the team you thought you built, uh, and you're trying to sub in now, uh, you know, really young and experienced guys to take those roles over. And um, I expect this K-State team will struggle. And I think we heard Jerome Tang kind of adjust uh, his expectations and maybe what the fans should expect when on his post-game radio on Tuesday he talked about, you know, we're 10-3, we're and, and getting to 9-9 nine and nine in the conference gets you into the tournament. Uh, so I think now this, these coaches just want to get in the field uh, and, and see what happens. But this team isn't nearly far, as far along right now as last year's team, and they just don't have a carved-out identity quite yet. And I don't know if they're – really is an identity to carve out until Tyler Perry starts playing like Tyler Perry's capable of, that college basketball saw him play uh, in his you know previous stop. And until he gets back to anywhere close to that, this team's going to be pretty average. Uh, he's got to just find his game again because it's, it's wildly broken right now. You know what's crazy about that, too, is I don't disagree with anything that you said, but yet they're 10-3. and three. And, you know, so yeah. you, you, you go back and you look at what they did in non-con and they, this team could easily be eight and five or seven and six or, you know, with the overtime games they played and, and that sort of thing. I think it's a testament to Jerome Tang and, and the kind of coach that he is. And 
all of that. But now that we get into a grueling conference season, if they can have success with the roster that they have, not having Naquan Tomlin anymore, not having Quez Glover throughout the, the conference season, if they can have success, I mean, isn't that just a, a total, I mean, not that he needs more validation, but even more validation that Jerome Tang is doing an incredible job of coaching? Yeah, I agree with you. I I think uh, trying to put this team together with so many, you know, vital missing parts has been a great challenge for a young head coach, you know, head coach and uh, young in years as a head coach. And, yeah, I, I think this is a really strong staff. And I think you can watch him if you listen to him and watch him on the sidelines. He's he's doing a lot of psychological coaching right now. Uh, yeah, there's the X's and O's, but uh, he's really working this team to try to, you know, get them to come out of their shell. They feel like they are in a shell. They feel like this is a really good shooting team that gets in the games and doesn't shoot it well. Uh, and it's all there for, you know, a higher level of play. And you're just trying to nurse the, that out of them. And, been interesting to watch him have to shift gears to that a little bit. All right, Fitz, what do you guys have going at GoPowerCat.com right now that people can check out? Well, it's uh, I'll be honest here, it's been a little bit slower here as the new year started, but yeah, we are tracking that football recruiting and, the, and that quarterback, coach, offensive coordinator situation quite a bit. Um, and, uh, you know, we had Bentville basketballs here on Saturday, guys, and I don't know why Kansas State ended up being the welcome wagon for UCF. They were, you know, welcome to the Big 12 for football. That was UCF's first game. Uh, and now they get to do the same welcome wagon for UCF basketball on Saturday at Bramlett. So we'll have that covered and get a lot of fun stuff going on over on our YouTube channel. So people might want to go check that out, too. GoPowerCat.com. Tim Fitzgerald, the publisher at Life of Fitz. A reminder, you can check out GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast. You can find it on the Odyssey app. Fitz, Happy New Year again, uh, and we'll talk again next week. Thank you, boys. Great to talk to you. There goes Tim Fitzgerald. A lot of updates there on Will Howard, on Matt Wells. You can go back and listen to that for free on the Odyssey app. The show gets podcasted out and archived out. Jad does a great job with that, so if you're just joining us and missed any of that, you can jump in and check it out that way. Tommy and I are going to come back. J.J. McCarthy... I don't know if he's doubling down on the cheating or what, but it got brought up, of course, ahead of the national championship game. And uh, it's classic, uh, cl- classic case of look over there. We'll be back. We'll discuss what he said and what we think about it next on Sports Daily. Dude, you got to hear this. Go ahead. I think I want to hear this. Sports Daily is on KFH. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily here on KFH. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster with you. Glad to be here with you. The KFH hotline is back open at 869-1240. Um, all right, we got Shocker basketball later tonight. 7 o'clock pregame coverage begins on KEYN. They take on North Texas. We discussed that in the first hour. If you missed any of that, you can go back and listen. Thanks for joining us on our video stream. Thanks for tuning in, however it is, whether you're streaming us, listening on KFH, uh, the good old-fashioned way, whatever it is, we appreciate it. National championship game is Monday. Uh, we've got J.J. McCarthy. I think he said this yesterday. Of course, they've got to do a bunch of media 
McCarthy basically said they just had to keep up with Ohio State with stealing signs. Uh, Quote, it's just a thing about football. It's been around for years. We actually had to adapt because in 2020 or 2019, when Ohio State was stealing our signs, which is legal and they were doing it, we had to get up to the level that they were at. We had to make it an even playing field. Uh, I I think he's been uh, having a conversation with somebody with the Houston Astros organization. Like, yeah, trying to get an advantage is a part of the game until you go to extreme measures that are outside of the rules to do it. Like, no sympathy here, J.J. McCarthy. And I know the players had far less to do with this probably than, than even if it was a few rogue coaches. But sending a coach in to infiltrate opposing sidelines and getting into ways to get like if another t- if you're watching film and you pick up tendencies or you pick up something from the sideline, you're like, oh, hey, here's a trend that's on them. If in Major League Baseball, you're sitting there and you see a pitcher tipping his pitches and you tell the dugout that's on the pitcher. But when you set up cameras in center field and have an intricate trash can system. That that takes it to an illegal level. When you have some staffer infiltrate opposing sidelines, and that that's not the same thing. That's not gamesmanship. That's not strategic. That's cheating. And and so like, just how about don't cheat? Well, it's how re- about that? It's really unfortunate that JJ McCarthy said that because all along, as this process has been playing out. And we've learned more about this scandal from Michigan and all of it. I never one time thought that the players were at fault for this, right? Like, you know, maybe they, right. no, maybe they were the beneficiaries of the information right. that was obtained. But JJ yeah. McCarthy's not the one who's instructing an assistant coach to go infiltrate the sidelines. JJ McCarthy's the quarterback. He's going out and playing the game. Maybe the information that he's obtained from what the coaches did or whatever came from illegal ways or whatever that situation looks like, but he's not the facilitator of it. The players aren't, they're going out and they're playing and they're executing. That's what makes this situation different than what happened with the Houston Astros, where it was led by the players. They were the ones who were kind of putting it all together with the knowledge of the manager and maybe the front office and all of it. But I never one time as this scandal is played out, put any of it on the players. And that's why it's unfortunate that that McCarthy is saying what he is because now he brings himself into the scandal. He brings the players into the scandal. He's basically saying, yeah, look like it's not a big deal. We had to do what Ohio state was doing to us. And that I'm, I'm not saying that makes him culpable, but it definitely brings him into the frame of like, as because like my entire thought process in this national championship game is, you know what, if Michigan wins, good for the players. Good for them because they had nothing to do with this. But now with J.J. McCarthy saying what he's saying, it's hard for me to separate those two things because now the face of the of the team, the quarterback, is kind of excusing it, kind of excusing that behavior, and I wish you wouldn't have said that. Well, right, and, he's, and he goes into more of like what he sees on film and like, and that's not what anybody's talking about. Just a reminder of what's been accused and punished here. A staffer, Connor Stallions, more than 30 games involving future Michigan opponents, bought tickets to go sit there behind him on the sideline and record what they're doing. You can't do in-person scouting. That's illegal. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he disguised himself differently to get away with this. 
they he had ga- he he had access according to video footage of Central Michigan sideline for a game against Michigan State. And an anonymous former Division Three coach said he gave them money and a ticket to go record opponents. Like, that's not the same thing as watching film and formational things. It's not sign-stealing uh, to, to get on film what we can all see on camera. It's sign-stealing to steal what we can't see, what's not readily available. And so stop trying to make excuses for it, because here's what else it could do. We all sort of forgot about this, right? Like, we, Alabama took the mantle of the bad guy when Florida State didn't get in. Not a, not a lot of people are still really caring or talking about the Michigan thing, which dominated the headlines for a long time. Now it's kind of back into the forefront. Now you sort of put the target on yourself again. Now it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, they've had a tremendous amount of success. How much of that success came from XYZ? And they're really good, and yeah. he's really good. And, and and like, I like J.J. McCarthy a lot, but you just can't get up there and try and defend it ever, 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 ever. You have to either say, we're not worried about that anymore. We're, you know, we're really focused on this. We, we, we were able to, you know, put that distraction to the side and do whatever. But you can't try to justify it. And the worst justification for cheating, the worst justification for doing something wrong in life whether you're a kid, an adult, a grown-up, whatever, is to say, yeah, but look, they're doing it too because you're just admitting you're doing something wrong. Yeah. Or they, did, know, it, they like, did it first. And, and that's the way right. that, I mean, it's that, in, that's in, not, a, in a fist fight, it's always the second person that gets in trouble, right? right? Like that's the way that it right. works. Even if this needed justification or needed explaining, which, by the way, it doesn't, but even if it did, J.J. McCarthy is not the one to defend it. He's not the one to justify it because he wasn't the one doing it. The players were not the ones doing it. The coaching staff was the one doing it. Jim Harbaugh is the one who has had to answer for this and try to explain it. The assistant coaches, basically the the coaching staff in general, the athletic director, all of that, they're the ones to answer for this. But with J.J. McCarthy being the one talking about it, not only does it bring it back into – the top of mind as we go into a championship game where people are like, oh, yeah, I forgot that that happened. Okay, yeah, now I can root against you. But it again, it brings the players into the discussion when it, they, that shouldn't be the focus. Even if this is what the coaching staff did, even if, it, even if they were breaking all of these rules and this was, uh, you know, a, a, a stealing scandal, all of that, it's on the coaches, and even if the players benefited from it, they weren't the ones doing it. But now that J.J. McCarthy yeah, he was asked the question, is the, I, mean, I get it. But you can easily answer it by saying, look, we're not focused right. on that. You know, we're focused on a national championship game or uh, I'm going to leave that up to the coaches to talk about. It doesn't involve us as players. Like there are easy things that you can say to not. I, I don't even want to say implicate your because he's not implicating himself, but to associate yourself and the team and the players with this whole scandal, you can easily push it onto the coaching staff. Let them let them be the ones to shoulder all of it. Don't bring yourself into it, J.J. McCarthy, because now all you're doing is getting people to think about it. And I guarantee you, on Monday night when the national championship game is playing, and I see J.J. McCarthy out on the field, that's what I'm going to be thinking about. He could have an incredible performance. He could throw for five touchdowns and 500 yards, and I'm going to be thinking about the fact that he basically brought himself and the players into this. 
I, I think most people, too, would not be thinking about that when the game's played. But you're just inviting now more people to do. I was going to be thinking about it because I, I, it, I, I don't like this justification of cheating by saying other people are cheating. The whole "if you're not cheating, you're not trying" doesn't hold true when you're you you know when you're. I don't even know how to say it. Like I get gamesmanship, right? But it, it's like if you're not cheating, you're not trying is not meant for corking a bat right or or doing something like like tangibly that is not you know is so far outside the rules like recording somebody else's signs from like that's not the same thing which is what he's trying to justify and he shouldn't be justifying it i agree he should be deflecting he was asked a question and he's a young person i'm not gonna he wants to defend people because he does feel like we didn't do anything anybody else wasn't doing but that doesn't make it right yeah that's not the point right it's not it just it's not and he's not it, the I, one i think to of my kids it. he's not the one to I, I think of it. my kids and two windows are broken and you come downstairs and you're like what happened and they're like well they broke that window first like yeah. that's going to justify you breaking the other window like what what are we talking about like everybody's wrong so you got caught they didn't get caught so what? Like, that doesn't matter. What a weird, like, I, I, I'm, I, quite frankly, I'm glad it came back to light because I, I want Michigan to be the bad guy. I want, because they deserve it. They deserve to be the bad guy. We don't even know if they deserve to be here, right? Like, we don't, we don't fully understand how many games were affected by this. Were there games this year affected by this? They didn't get caught till later in the season. I don't know that for sure. I mean, if you believe some of the reporting, TCU found out about it, and look what happened last year in the CFP, right? Because TCU knew it was happening, and they changed things up. They smashed Michigan. I, I, it's so I'm glad they've sort of slid back into the role of the bad guy because Washington's a great story to root for in that game. They've got a quarterback that's fun to root for. They got a coach that's fun to root for. They have one of the probably five most exciting players in college football at wide receiver. Like it. Washington's an awesome story and going to be and they're outside of the traditional powers, right? It's going to be fun to root for Washington in that game. I think it'll be more fun when you remember that Michigan perhaps cheated their way into this game. And thanks for the reminder, JJ McCarthy. And and of course they're gonna be asked that. I'm surprised the coaches and Jim Harbaugh didn't say, guys, this is coming. Just don't talk about it. Like, don't. And I don't know his style, and I don't know how much trust he gives J.J. McCarthy. But it's not a good look when you just say, yeah, we cheated, but so did they. Yeah, I, That's just that, – that's not the play. Well, and on top of that, I mean, I think that this is something where regardless of the outcome of the game, and it, but especially if they win, and we talked about it before, I think Jim Harbaugh is basically out of town, you know, and going back to the NFL, I think there are a variety of teams that would love to have Jim Harbaugh on the sidelines, and you're not under the same amount of scrutiny – at the, at the pro game as you are in college football. And so I do think that there are going to be attractive opportunities for him to return to the NFL. I think the Chargers are one of them. I think the Patriots are one of them. I think there are some opportunities that would make a lot of sense for Jim Harbaugh. All right, let's let's uh, let's take a break here. We'll come back. CBS Sports put out its top uh, free agents trade. To- it basically lists potential quarterback moves in the offseason. 
the the top of the list is one that has fascinated me for months and months and months. But there are there's some other interesting ones on there. We'll discuss that a little bit uh, in the next segment before we wrap things up on this Thursday. It's all Brockton Caster at Sports Daily on KFH. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily, making our way through a Thursday. Albrock and Caster here. Uh, Paul Savage will be in tomorrow. We will make some football picks. I'll send mine in to the guys here. It'll be interesting to see the list you can come up with here, Tommy, as we got to find 10 games to pick uh, that mean something. We'll, of course, have the national championship game in that mix. But I'm not sure there are nine others uh, where we don't have to really uh, take a take a swing at a game where it's unpredictable. Uh, CBS Sports put out this list, and I, th- I think it's interesting. It's of the quarterback market and the way it's shaping up, and it and it sort of compiles it all together, right? The top free agents, maybe some trade candidates, uh, guys that are going to be cut, the draft. At the top of the list is Kirk Cousins. Now, I, I'm fascinated by the Cousins scenario and what's going to happen here because he's owed a lot of, like, dead money for Minnesota. This is one where I've got to just say I don't understand the salary cap. Because if there's any way they can defer some of the dead money, I, I think for the Vikings, you bring Cousins back. I mean, he was playing the best he's ever played. They are loaded with weapons. I don't know what TJ Hawkinson's injury looks like for next year. But I think they're a real contender if he's healthy, the way Brian Flores turned that defense around. CBS projects him to come back and for them to draft like J.J. McCarthy in the second round. That's exactly what I think they should do. If they can get Cousins back and then draft a long-term replacement— and you got to think of Cousins as like starting for at least the next two years or so. But McCarthy feels like the right kind of candidate to to hang back, right, and learn and wait for an opportunity. We see that work all the time for quarterbacks. If there's not pressure to play them right away, like wherever Caleb Williams goes, he's going to have pressure to play right away, right? Wherever Drake May goes, there's going to be pressure to play right away. That's going to happen. I'm not sure that's the case with, like, J.J. McCarthy or Bo Nix. You know, like, maybe those guys could land somewhere where they could sit because I do think it would do them well. I think for the Vikings and Cousins, who will be the top free agent, he was going to win the MVP had he stayed healthy. I mean, there was a, there's at least a chance. So I, I think the best-case scenario for the Vikings and for Cousins is for him to come right back there. Yeah, the Vikings, all they have to do is look at their rivals in their division with the Packers and what they did with Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love. They drafted Jordan Love. They knew that he was going to be the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers didn't like it at the time, and that was very well documented. But that was the strategy. Let Jordan Love develop, give him time, and then hand the reins over. I think the Vikings, using that strategy, can set themselves up for long-term success. That being said, the, the gas tank is not empty for Kirk Cousins. I know that it's difficult to come back from an Achilles injury. But just knowing the kind of quarterback that he is, I've been a Kirk Cousins fan for a long time. He's never going to be flashy. He's never going to be over-the-top incredible, but he's always going to be a serviceable, viable quarterback in the National Football League. And so I think that if the Vikings can commit to him for, I don't know, two or three more years and then draft his replacement to work and study under Kirk Cousins. Man, if I'm a guy like J.J. McCarthy, I would love to be behind Kirk Cousins and to be able to learn from him and to be able to gain that knowledge because I think that Cousins 
just his demeanor and the way that he carries himself, I think he can be a pretty good mentor and a pretty good leader. It reminds me of the Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes situation. Alex Smith and Kirk Cousins, I think, are kind of cut from the same cloth. And so I think that's a good move if the Vikings want to go that way. I don't know if they will, though. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if they do cut ties with Kirk Cousins and he goes and lands somewhere else. Kirk Cousins will be a starter somewhere. Alex Smith's an interesting comparison. I think their game is a little bit different. I think Cousins is is better. I think he's a better pocket passer. Smith did more things, you know, creatively. And I, I'm a big Alex Smith guy. Uh, Baker Mayfield is on this list. I think he's back with the Bucks. I don't think there's much doubt about that. Um, Justin Fields is the next really interesting one. And I, we haven't gotten into this much here. I don't know what I would do if I were the Bears. I, I, I really, like, I legitimately don't know what the right answer is here. Fields tantalizes, but you've got the number one pick. I think it's an easy answer if you evaluate Caleb Williams the way that people evaluated him before the season. If he is evaluated as a can't miss, then I think you trade Fields. Not because of Fields, but because of Williams. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. That's right. If, if he's not, though, like if you've wavered from that at all, Chicago's in an interesting spot. So their defense has all of a sudden played much better. You know, DJ Moore's a good weapon, and you've got two top 10 picks. So in theory, you could take, let's say, Marvin Harrison Jr. If you've got, you know, if, if you, whether it's him or, or Rome Udunze of Washington, one of those receivers. And then you take, I don't know, whatever else to help to help bolster things around fields. I do think there's a world where the Bears are competitive to win that division next year if they draft well and keep fields. But you also have this situation where you never pass up on the can't-miss quarterback. Like, you don't pass that up. It just really becomes as Caleb Williams that, I think. I don't know if he is, number one. And if I'm leading the Chicago Bears, I don't know if I want to make that change. I don't know if I want to go away from what I'm building with Justin Fields. They have improved as the year has gone on. 
Justin Fields. We've talked about it multiple times about, you know, once they let him kind of do the things that he's good at and put him in those positions to do the things he's good at, at that point, then, you know, you've you've kind of created an offense around Justin Fields. And if you go away from that, I know you can get value for him. I know you can probably stock up on even more draft picks. But they're in a good position with Justin Fields and with their draft picks right now. And so, man, I just don't know if moving away from that strategy and punting on that after a couple of years of Justin Fields is the right thing for them to do, even if Caleb Williams ends up being this can't-miss prospect. I just, I, I'm not sure that that's the direction I would go if I was running the Bears. Well, look, if Caleb Williams is can't-miss prospect, right? If Caleb Williams is and he's drawing comps in his style to Mahomes or if he's, that, you know, if he's, if he's Burrow, who was the last one probably, then you take him, one, because you don't ever pass that up and because he's cheaper for three more years than Justin Fields is, right? So you can continue to build the roster around him. That that's the elephant in the room. Is but Fields how much is of the personnel? How much of the personnel that the the Bears have offensively will translate well from Justin Fields to Caleb Williams? I don't know. How many of those players that they brought in or they drafted or like they traded for DJ Moore, the running backs well, they have, the offensive DJ line. Moore, DJ I'm, Moore translates fine. Uh, he'll translate He's with really, anybody. Really but you know, how many of those people did they bring in specifically for Justin Fields? That then they'll have to maybe make changes because I don't I don't know how well it translates to a Caleb Williams. I mean, they haven't done a good job of putting people around Fields. I mean, yeah. they finally got DJ Moore, and that's clearly helped. But Mooney hasn't worked out. It's not a good fit with Fields. It doesn't seem like Cole Komet was already there. I mean, Fields' thing is he's got to be able to move around. I, I don't think Fields is ever going to be a sit in the pocket passer. It's just you know, and he does have a body type. I think that lends itself to being able to run more often than normal and hold up, right? He's a big dude. And so I, I don't know. I mean, Chase Claypool and didn't work. They tried to bring him over Chase from the Claypool Steelers. Didn't work that, didn't, that was terrible. Yeah. That was a terrible idea. Yeah. He's no longer with them. So that that's that's the thing. Like, I, I don't know if it's a Fields thing, if it's a I, – I don't know. But, you know, they're going to have a chance to bring in a world-class wide receiver. Right, like as good. There's two as good a receiver prospects as we've seen coming out in this class, and so you've got a chance to add one of those to the mix. And that with Justin Fields next year is appealing. Is that with, you know, because if they don't take Williams or Drake May or whatever anybody think that top pick, the the chances of either one of those receivers being there at ten are unlikely. So it, it's you know it's it is it's it's sort of a you know chicken and the egg what comes first do you surround it with fields or do you move on at quarterback I don't know what their right answer is I really don't I I don't have a strong I'm I'm about as much on the line as you possibly could be there's also the other factor with it if it's fields and you go there is there a world where fields is not one of the guys that resets the quarterback market can you get him for one of the secondary type deals right like a Daniel Jones deal because that has appeal too, right? If you can get him on a quarterback contract that's not one of the biggest in the league and you can remain with financial flexibility with him there, then I probably lean to keeping him. I, I that yeah. but if it's if it's a scenario where he's really good and then next year you got to reset the market with him, kind of like Arizona faced with Kyler Murray, like if I'm the Bears, I don't want the Kyler Murray situation with Justin Fields. 
Yeah, right. If, that, that's the other problem. And I don't, financially. I don't know. I don't think they're having these conversations right now. But if I were the Bears, it, you know, if I'm even considering trying to keep Justin Fields and move away from Caleb Williams with the first pick, I might be trying to sign Justin Fields now because you've seen. I, I agree totally. You've yep. seen flashes of what it could be with Justin Fields, but you haven't seen it fully come into play. Once it fully comes into play, if you feel optimistic that it will then his price tag is going to go through the roof. So if you feel confident with the flashes that you've seen and the picks that you have and the team that you're building around him and you don't want to go Caleb Williams, then you try to re-sign him now to maybe try to get him at a discount long-term on one of those secondary quarterback deals like a Daniel Jones or whatever, you know, like you mentioned. Because if you wait and it all comes together and that's great and you have success, well, then you got to pay him a whole lot more and that's going to be tough. Yeah, it, it, it's a fascinating one. Baker Mayfield, I mentioned, I think he'll be back with the Bucs. Uh, Russell Wilson is probably the other one to keep an eye on. Uh, so, you know, they bring up Kyler Murray as a, as a trade candidate. I think Murray's going to be with the Cardinals next year. But Russell Wilson's interesting. They're, they're projecting to the Steelers, which I do actually think makes sense. Wilson has not played poorly. Um, I, he'll need to be – man, his, his situation's – as interesting as anybody, right? Because you don't want to pay him a ton, but he, he showed you this year he's still got something left in the tank. The Steel, I like that fit. I would like that fit with the Steelers. It's almost like where you had Carr with the Saints, right? Like, are you kicking the can down the road? Are you starting over? Like, what are you doing there? Wilson, I mean, Wilson, what? he's only like 35. I think we think he's older than he is. At 35, don't you think he should probably be a starter in this league somewhere? I think so. I, I think that that's fair. Like the Falcons, right? Or, or what, what is one of these teams that is just getting not even close to enough at quarterback that would be good enough to get somewhere? And, and I guess what his contract demands are matter to some degree. But like the Raiders, right? There are, there are some places where you could see it make sense. I, he's as interesting as anybody, too. Uh, but it, it will be, again, man— there is nothing better than quarterback off seasons the last two or three years. They've just been so good. And there are there are really high-end prospects in the draft this year. They're going to make it even more interesting. All right. Uh, we'll take our final break. We'll come back. We'll tell you what's uh, on tap today here on the networks as we wrap up a Thursday edition of Sports Daily. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. 
Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.